I want you to hit me as hard as you can. If everybody had a 12 gauge and a support too, you see him shooting and surfing. The trio of Jim Abrahams and brothers David and Jerry Zucker, collectively referred to as Zaz, stand as one of the most iconic comedy teams in movie history. Surely their reputation could rest almost solely on Airplane. And don't, don't call me Shirley. Their follow-up, Top Secret, is, despite being a lesser-known effort seen by a far smaller audience, one of the funniest movies of the 1980s. Thank you. That was very kind of you. How did a spoof about espionage, Elvis, cows, and German midgets go under the radar? Don't feel bad. It happens to lots of men the first time. And how did it serve as a key moment of the group's dismantling? Let's find out. What the f happened to this movie? Zaz were childhood buddies later forming a comedy troupe in college called the Kentucky Fried Theater, primarily produced in the back of a bookstore. They soon moved from the Midwest to Los Angeles, twisting their offbeat sketches into their debut movie, 1977's The Kentucky Fried Movie. I have finally produced what I feel is the finest motion picture ever made. Just about every sketch comedy movie up to that point, from Monty Python's cheap cash-in and now for something completely different, to the easily discarded Tunnel Vision had been some version of a dud. But directed by John Landis, then on the cusp of National Lampoon's Animal House, and featuring a barrage of bits parodying morning news shows, exploitation movies, and commercials, Kentucky Fried Movie had a pulse. It even seemed to have something of value to say to its audience. Show me your nuts. Oh, how you doing? Surfing USA. Okay, maybe not in every scene. Their biggest smash came three years later, Airplane, written directed by all three men. Their next project wouldn't be Airplane 2, the sequel, which they wisely opted out of, but a police procedural spoof for ABC called Police Squad. After four episodes aired, execs announced that they would be axing the exploits of Frank Drebin, with many, including Simpsons creator Matt Groening, suggesting it was just too ahead of its time. Only two more episodes air. Thanks for watching Joe Blow Videos. If you enjoy our shows, please like and subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Now, back to the show. But that wouldn't be the last American people would hear of the goofy lieutenant. Despite the failure of Police Squad, the fact that Airplane was one of the highest grossing movies of 1980 pushed Paramount to greenlight the boys' next project. The trio actually started working on the script for Top Secret during the production of Airplane. Whereas Airplane was a direct spoof of disaster movies, chiefly 1957's Zero Hour, lifting everything from character named Ted Stryker to the exclamation point tacked onto the title, Top Secret was an amalgam of spy movies and Elvis Presley favorites. With time set aside to play off surfing movies and beach party movies. As David Zucker put it, quote, We couldn't decide, so what we did was to combine them. Zaz set up their writing space in a lawyer's office, which isn't an ideal spot for comedy, but did give the boys the perk of free cookies brought in from the secretary. The gags weren't just on paper, either. In the frequent downtime, 
the team would mess with the incoming clients. Quote, if somebody was waiting in the waiting room, we'd walk out and say, that's the worst legal advice I've ever heard. Such hijinks weren't the only unorthodox approach during the writing process. Zaz started not with plot or characters, but the jokes, which were then molded into scenes. The team was well aware what they were doing, for better or worse. As David Zucker put it, quote, The lesson we took from Airplane was just fill up 90 minutes with jokes, and you have a movie. With Top Secret, it's very funny, but it really isn't a good movie. It really didn't have a plot, or real characters, or real structure. It was, according to David Zucker, more of a joke book. To curb this heightened sense of craziness, the boys hired Martin Burke, director of forgettable fare like Power Play and The Last Chase, to shape the script. Jerry Zucker later claimed, quote, If it weren't for Martin, we'd still be sitting in that room. But to say that there's no plot would be shortchanging top secret. What else would you call a rock and roll singer becoming entangled with a resistance movement? That's plot right there. Playing the hunka hunka singer Nick Rivers would be the Juilliard trained Val Kilmer, who had been putzing around the off-Broadway theater scene alongside Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon, and also in after-school specials with Michelle Pfeiffer. Kilmer showed up at the audition acting like Marlon Brando, styling his hair like James Dean, and dressing like Elvis, almost certainly right then and there guaranteeing playing the king in true romance. And like that, Val Kilmer landed his movie debut. Thank you, sir. Lucy Gutterbridge, as Resistance member and love interest Hilary Flamin, also came from the stage. Rounding out the rest of the cast would be Christopher Villiers as Batty Nigel, aka The Torch, Egyptian acting legend Omar Sharif as Agent Cedric, Hammer horror icon Peter Cushing in his last American film as a bookstore owner with a preposterously oblong eye, actually a nod to his performance in The Curse of Frankenstein, and Michael Goff, who would later play Alfred Pennyworth four times. Zaz would be nixing cameos altogether, which were prominent in Airplane. On the music front, Oscar winner Maurice Jarre of Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago, both starring Omar Sharif, handled the score, while Kilmer himself did his own singing. Oh, Duncan, I promise I'll even be nice to your mama. Earning his character a credit on the soundtrack, boasting not quite hits like Skeet Surfing and Straighten Out the Rug. With a budget of $8.5 million, nearly three times that of Airplane, Production on Top Secret began. Although there were no reports of serious onset clashing, the star and his multiple directors did notice some flaws in each other and themselves. The filmmakers deemed Kilmer, fresh to the movie scene, difficult. Generally enjoyable, but difficult. Kilmer at points agreed, noting he took the filming, quote, all way too seriously. Of course, how could he not take it seriously? Some of this straight-faced approach may have had to do with Kilmer's inexperience in the industry, but he also had the pressure of doing the heavy lifting of presenting his character to the audience. The filmmakers later admitted the character of Nick Rivers was poorly written and had no arc, and so Kilmer had to feel it out with little guidance. Kilmer also displayed disdain for the three-headed director's lack of proper attention. Quote, 
Among the three of them, a lot of energy gets used up in the compromise process that could otherwise be used with an actor or cameraman. What's the plan, Wes? Forget the plan. I'm giving the orders here. Much time was even spent arguing over a scene involving pigeon shit. On the unprecedented and occasionally tense collaboration, All right. Be an asshole. Jerry Zucker noted, quote, Each one of us, deep down in our hearts, thinks the other two are ganging up on him. The bouts of tension and conflict, of course, don't show up on the screen, and Top Secret stands as one of the funniest movies not just in the spoof genre, but in all of 80s comedy. Top Secret is a whirlwind of sight gags, cracking one-liners, and absurd behavior. Not to mention what must be the greatest forced perspective joke in movies. There, too, is the underwater fistfight, a daunting undertaking shot in a tank at Pinewood Studios that required the actors to perform for 10 to 15 seconds before they could come up for a hit of oxygen. Kilmer even got his diving license for the scene. Great lengths were also taken for the aforementioned bookstore scene with Peter Cushing, shot in reverse for 90 seconds with no cuts. Interestingly, the trouble wasn't actors sticking their cues, but rather the stunt dogs who quit eating their food after so many takes. The true standout, though, may be the cow scene, which has become so synonymous with the film that the bovine basically became the movie's mascot. Now get over there and pull that The sheer zaniness continues well into the end credits, reportedly the subject of an internal memo at the studio. When production wrapped in early 1984, Top Secret had come in under budget, a feat for any major Hollywood movie. My man! But Paramount wouldn't be celebrating for too long. Prior to release, Top Secret's runtime was two hours, generally considered a stretch for any comedy film, no matter what Jet Apatow tries to sell you. You don't understand him! <laughs> He's gonna show people one day! It was wisely trimmed to a tight 90 minutes, based on student reactions at numerous colleges. I don't think it's fair! I'll tell you what's fair and what's not! Including Ivy Leaguers Harvard and Yale. You said I could speak! He said that's it! Are you deaf? A technique used for Airplane, which originally ran 115 minutes. The movie is objectively a tough sell, but Paramount made it even harder to find its audience with the official trailer leaving in the self-deprecating bad movie line. And not once mentioning the creators or airplane. Some things are much better left unsaid. As a result, when Top Secret opened on June 22, 1984, it found itself number seven at the box office. If they find out you've seen this, your life will be worth less than a truckload of dead wrecks in a tampon factory. Bested by fellow openers The Karate Kid, and Razzie winner Rhinestone, starring Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton for some reason. Not to neglect eventual year-end champs Ghostbusters, Gremlins, and Temple of Doom, all well into the releases. Airplane it was not, and Paramount had learned just on opening weekend the dangers of buying into a hype machine. Top Secret would eventually gross $20 million. This earned its budget back, but it was paltry compared with Airplane's $83 million. Despite not having the overall legacy of Airplane, Top Secret is no plate of flaming hogballs. Expert parodist himself Weird Al Yankovic calls it his favorite movie ever, even going so far as to tell Val Kilmer this. Kilmer's response? Whoa. Really? You're gonna pick that one? 
What was he gonna say? Batman Forever? Those that love Top Secret, love Top Secret. And have turned it into a genuine cult favorite. Those that haven't seen it are missing out on a genuinely underappreciated comedy, barely matched in its volume of jokes. And there are many, too many, that haven't seen it. As of publication, seven times as many people have logged Airplane than Top Secret on Letterboxd. What isn't as strong as the cult following of Top Secret is the professional relationship between Zaz. The trio would direct just one more movie as the iconic team, 1986's Ruthless People. According to David Zucker, quote, after a while it became too many guys sitting in the same chair. There was something financial to consider too. Each member could make more money splitting the team up. The Naked Gun, adapted from their own Police Squad series, would be the last time the entire trio worked on a script. The subsequent sequels saw members and duties getting knocked off, with only David sticking around as writer-director for The Naked Gun 2.5, The Smell of Fear, and then only as co-writer for the threequel, Naked Gun 33 and the Third, The Final Insult. Individually, Abrahams made the dreadful Big Business and 1990's Welcome Home Roxy Carmichael, which you forgot existed until just now. Jerry Zucker was for some reason chosen to direct Ghost, which brother David later spoofed in Naked Gun 2.5. David took on sports comedies with the South Park Boys in Basketball, while Jerry directed Rat Race, co-written with his wife. Some of the gang would re-enter the spoof game at various points, with Abrahams helming both Hot Shots movies and Mafia, and David directing Scary Movie 3 and 4, co-writing the fifth entry. It's evident through this output, and the lack of in the past several years, that Jim Abrahams and the brothers Zucker are just not the comedy juggernauts they once were. Forget it. It'll be better for everyone if we just forget what's happened. Their careers became almost a parody, like they were spoofing their own spoofs. Wait a second. We know that Zaz perfected the spoof movie, but did they master Meta Cinema too? Surely it's a possibility. All right, go ahead. Call us Shirley. Let us know your thoughts. Leave a comment in the comments and thanks for watching.